Welcome to another West Valley Mayoral Forum. I'm Michael Ryan, Vice President and General Manager for the Community Editions of the Arizona Republic, including those in the West Valley, which include Peoria, Surprise, Goodyear, Glendale, the Northeast Valley, and the, West, and the Southwest Valley. During this next hour, we're going to be talking with three mayors in the West Valley about some of the big issues facing their communities and also the West Valley at large. They are Sharon Walcott from Surprise, Georgia Lord from Goodyear, and Bob Barrett from Peoria. So let's start with you folks, uh, and, and we'll start with you, Mayor Barrett. What's the state of the economy in Peoria these days, and are you seeing any positive signs? Yes, we are. We are seeing an increase in sales tax revenue. Sales tax revenue makes up about 30-year budget. Uh, so things are picking up. We are, as I said in, my, in the State of the City address, I'm cautiously optimistic. We expect higher revenues, but I don't want to run out and spend them real quick because you never know if, if it's going to continue to gradually increase or whether the economy is going to come to a stop again. Mayor Lord. Well, I, you know, I I'm, I'm actually have to agree with the many things you said. Uh, we are seeing a rise in the economy. We're seeing a rise in our tax revenue. Um, we have, and we've been very fortunate during this downturn, to be able to continue adding jobs to the city. So we have been doing that all along. We feel very fortunate for that. So, yes, um, I, I have, I'm excited about this next year because I, I, I do think the strength of the American people are coming through, and we're just going to do fine. All right. Is the new mayoral kid on the block in Surprise? You just did your recent State of the City address. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing in Surprise? Well, we're seeing the same trends as uh, my two colleagues here, uh, increase in, in sales tax revenues. Things are coming up. We are seeing um, good things happening all across the West Valley and the region. And uh, certainly that translates to good news for the state of Arizona and for, the jo for job creation. So we're, we're seeing good things happening all across the valley. And um, as you know, um, each of us has a different challenge in our community based on what our past history has been. So in spite of uh, good things happen, sometimes we've had some challenges along the way. And I addressed those in my, <clears throat> my State of the City address this last week that, in fact, we do have some challenges facing us in our budget this coming year. And let's talk a little bit about that, because I know that's been a big issue that you've had. Um, how do you feel you're coming along and addressing some of the financial issues that uh, preceded you as mayor? I feel very, very positive and upbeat about it. <clears throat> the reality is we've been doing things um, uh, without full knowledge of the foundational problems that, we're, that we were struggling with as a community um, for over a decade. <clears throat> and really, there is a cascading effect when you don't correct an error into the next year, it, it has a cascading effect. And we've come to realize that, uh, that there were more problems than we had originally thought. Um, I had anticipated quite some time ago that there were, these problems ha actually uh, extended back uh, beyond a decade. And in fact, we have uh, evidence that that is the case. So um, these, are, these are problems that need to be fixed. But here's the good news. We're not broke. We have about a $73 million budget. The issue is we need to spend smarter. And I've always promised that the taxpayers that we're going to do everything we possibly can to make sure that all of our very, very um, precious resources are focused on moving the ball forward for our community. 
Okay. Let's talk about some of the economic development that's taking place. I mean, one of the big things that happened in the West Valley, it's taking place in Glendale, but there's probably a ripple effect throughout the West Valleys with the Tanger Outlets coming to Westgate and helping that project along. Mayor Barrett, what are some of the things you're seeing from an economic um, expansions or what people could be looking for maybe in the next uh, uh, year to 18 months? We just got Maxwell Technologies just came in. Uh, they are starting their production line this year. Next year, they're going to bring their R&D research and development folks out. Uh, that is, they're, what, uh, uh, Forbes 100 or, or whatever it is. So they're, they're a high-end scientific group. In addition to that, we've got the commercial core up at Vistanzia, which is an, about a 500-acre core up there for, for, for commercial development. The... Um, the developers are willing to donate 50 acres to the first company that comes in. We have, we have uh, regional hospitals talking to us about going in there. Uh, we have a, an exclusive negotiating agreement with Abrazo, which is uh, a regional hospital group. In addition to that, we're talking to, uh, oddly enough, Glendale Community College about bringing out and maybe starting a technical school that would specialize in medical stuff, such as phlebotomy, x-ray techs, and things like that. We're, we're looking at that. We have two colleges, or possibly three, that are looking to come into this downtown area. You're in downtown Peoria right now. So we're very optimistic about this. And we just we have the bioscience, the bioexcel uh, come in, and we call it bioinspire. Now, this is an uh, incubator system whereby what they're going to do is you come in, you're a scientist, you know how to develop something, but you don't know how to, how to market it and how to get clearance to the feds. So what they do is they come into, a, a, into our incubator, and then they teach them how to market this and then get clearance from the feds. And one of the things they're talking about, trying to attract into our incubator, is, is a company that if you have diabetes, you have to prick your finger. Mm -hmm. With this one, it's a strip of paper and you just wipe your eye. Oh, wow. And if they can get federal clearance for that, then we, we hopefully we can bring them into the incubator, help them develop it, help them find venture capital, and then move out. Now, we'll have, th we'll have, we have room for, I think, four at a time, four individual startups at a time. In addition to that, we just talked to uh, another company that's, that's talking about coming in here. And they are, I forget what they call them, but you, you, when they do the biology stuff or, and micro stuff, and they, they put their hands to the gloves and then it's inside mm -hmm. the case, mm -hmm. it's one of those kinds of companies. And they'll come in, they'll probably start up with four to eight stations, and then they'll build. And they, they, they are making um, medicines, and it's, but it's not like penicillin. It's, it's more the really critical rarely used kind of medicines. Mm -hmm. they, are, they, they will be coming in so wow. this year. Okay. How about you, Mayor Lord? Well, I have to say what I'm hearing today is exciting because I know that's all the West Valley. Right. So we, you know, we, in the, we are growing. Well, we, as you know, during the downturn have been acquiring companies. So we have a solar cluster. We have international. We have a Scholar Arca who does plastic um, carts, uh, containers for uh, the grocery stores. Um, so we, uh, we have, a, you know, we have the uh, Chinese and the Germans and the uh, uh, Netherlands now. So we're, we're very excited about having this international influx in our city. Uh, we, of course, as you know, we um, have uh, Sub-Zero has come out. Uh, and, of course, it's very exciting because the new 303 is what's attracting um, our, our new uh, employers uh, to locate in, in Goodyear. And we have Dick's Warehouse now. And we have several other uh, companies that are right on the cusp 
of deciding to locate in, in Goodyear. The other part is that we're seeing a lot of the, uh, the military side of the aeronautical side of it now taking effect. Uh, companies are expanding around the airport. Uh, we're working in cooperation with Phoenix Airport on developing the Bullard Corridor, the airport entrance to the, air, uh, into the airport. So we're excited about our potential that's going to come <coughs> in, in, in the near future to Goodyear. Okay. Mayor Walcott. Well, we too are experiencing some really good um, news with uh, the growth of our businesses and we have also focused on uh, solar, uh, the solar industry with um, Rio, Rio Glass Solar and uh, Gestamp Solar Steel. Um, <clears throat> Gestamp is now in the process of expanding their business and so we're going to see new jobs coming online with that. Um, also, I, I can't I can't stress enough the importance of the fact that we are now seeing dirt flying on the yeah, 303. Yeah, nice. I love it. <laughs> this is a very big deal for us in the West Valley, and it is going to definitely spur an enormous amount of economic activity in the West Valley and for the Valley as a whole. It's a tremendous opportunity for us, and so we're all excited. Uh, we have we're, we're laying plans ahead. We're working together. And, um, and speaking of working together, another um, item that I think is going to have a real impact on, on helping uh, grow business and opportunity in the West Valley is the Grand Avenue Corridor Charter. Absolutely. Because we um, recently signed a charter, the mayors along the West Valley Corridor of Grand Avenue, <clears throat> all the way to Phoenix, have signed a charter with, the, um, with ADOT, with MAG, and with Maricopa County. And we're looking at how we make that a more efficient quarter and how we rethink, repurpose that quarter. There's been, it's probably one of the most highly invested in quarters that's underutilized in, in all of Arizona. And we have tremendous opportunities um, to, to try to help bring manufacturing and high technology back to that quarter. It was interesting because in the comments that were made, I think in your state of city address about it being a multimodal mm -hmm. use of it, where do you see, what type of transportation do you see on Grand Avenue <coughs> and are all the different communities in line with what the, the mm -hmm. thought process are, is? Well, we're looking, we, we've been looking, especially the city of Peoria and Surprise have been looking at commuter rail and working with Burlington Northern Santa Fe to start thinking about that, uh, how we move the workforce up and down that corridor is, as well as moving freight. And um, Burlington Northern is very much of a willing partner working in that, uh, towards that end. So we've been looking at commuter rail as a possibility. Um, years ago when we were thinking about expanding the, w the width of Grand Avenue, it would have been a great time to be thinking about BRT. But now that we've done the expansion project, I think uh, we need to be thinking about something else because we don't have a, uh, the natural place to put BRT would be in like a diamond lane that you've already reserved for the high capacity traveler. But um, that's not something that we have on the Grand Avenue corridor. It is something that we do have on the 10 corridor. There are a lot of opportunities for BRT. Um, and the 303. Oh, I'm is, sorry. Is Bus rapid transit. <laughs> it's almost like LRT on wheels. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it looks very similar to that. But it's in a designated corridor. And uh, certainly, uh, 303 would be a perfect place to be thinking about putting BRT yeah. uh, one day as well. So we're looking at transportation options, and, and we need to be thinking very, very carefully about how transportation can help drive economic development. And you have to be thinking about not just moving the product to market, uh, because certainly logistics is a very important decision and one of the reasons why businesses locate uh, near a transportation infrastructure. But you also need to be thinking about how you move the workforce to the job. 
Mm -hmm. um, Peoria signed the, uh, the uh, agreement as well. What was your thoughts behind it and how you see that's going to benefit Peoria and the West Valley? Well, in addition to what, what Mayor Wolcott said, the other thing it is, it's a, it is an economic development driver. For example, you've been to downtown Peoria, you know, on, on the north side of Peoria at 83rd Avenue. It is essentially, used to be a Walmart, it's now a Pruitt's. It's pretty much, it's a very large parking lot with a store. I'll be nice about that. But if you, if, if that is a stop on that, then think about the development that will spring up around the transit stop. So anybody that comes in, you park, you get on the train and you go. Well, maybe you drop off your dry cleaning, maybe you shop on the way home. You know, that's, that's, that's the big piece of it, I think, for Peoria. Mm -hmm. It's an economic driver. Plus, you get rid of, of the eyesore. All along Grand Avenue, as it goes through Peoria, it's an eyesore. I mean, there's no nice way to say that. I mean, the, the buildings are old. They're, you know, and what you need to do now is, is, is find a way to either get control of them or to help a developer to get control of them and then take them all out at once and then put in something really good. And I think a rail stop is the key to having that happen. I think people are always going to be interested. How soon do you think things are going to happen with this? You know what? Everything depends upon political will, frankly, <laughs> and the willingness to work together. Um, certainly, any any fly in the ointment can stop things for a very long time. Um, but in, in, in fact, look at how long we've been studying Grand Avenue for right. over decades, really. Mm -hmm. um, but now that you have um, the communities all along that corridor willing to work together and recognizing that there should be a unified vision on how we work together to make this a, a really well-functioning corridor, um, that is a huge step in the right direction. And in, <clears throat> in the long run, we are going to have to have um, help from our federal partners as well along this corridor. And um, we know that uh, from experience that uh, the dollar is short in Washington as well. But we want to do a better job of trying to get Arizona taxpayer dollars coming back from Washington, D.C. to Arizona and making certain that we're focused on quarters that can that can really um, be the best bang for the taxpayer dollar. So, um, Air, so Washington has been very clear with us. You need to partner. You need to bring multiple communities together. You can't all be out there asking for the same dollar six different times and not have a partnership. So we're working together to come up with a unified vision. I think this is great because as it as it as it enters your cities, it moves out closer to ours and makes our vision and goal actually uh, it shortens the time frame because until it moves directly south, we're we're not going to be in that game, right? <laughs> right. Um, and I, I truly believe the transit is the key. Um, and we all have rail somewhere that can be have a connectivity. So um, good on you that the, that you've come together on this. Uh, Mayor, Mayor Wolcott's correct. S signing that agreement and having all the cities sign that agreement is an enormous step. Yes, it was. I was a reporter out here in the 80s for the Republic. And I remember in the, in the five or six years I covered the West Valley, as a, as a regular reporter, there must have been two or three different Grand Avenue studies to the point where when the third one came along, I didn't even bother to write about it because all they do is study it. And, you know, nothing ever happened because you could not get the cooperation between the cities. But now we've all gone downtown. We, we all sat in the same room with the MAG representatives with ADOT and said, okay, we're going to work to find a mutually agreeable system that we can improve Grand Avenue and make it viable. Yeah. So do you find, I mean, because two of the bigger um, partners besides um, a surprise in uh, um, Peoria would be Glendale and, Fe and Phoenix. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you get the sense they share the same unified vision of what they see Grand Avenue can be? You know, they're signed on. 
their partners. So we all, as he said, we all stood together in the same room and we signed that charter together. So it truly is a, a big deal when you have the cities of Phoenix, Glendale, Peoria, Surprise, uh, you know, El Mirage, and, and our agencies all working together on the same unified vision. Do we all know what it, it, the big picture will look like at the end of the day? No, of course not. But what we want to do is work together and make certain that the character of each neighboring community is respected and the needs of each neighboring community is respected, but it needs to be a coordinated vision. Yeah. And that is, um, that's a very big deal that we've come this far. Yeah, there might be some t tooth pulling along the way. <laughs> well, I mean, Always. I mean, nothing goes through really easily, yeah. obviously, but, but I mean, it's, it's a matter of, of, of working together and cooperating and realizing that if it benefits Glendale, it benefits me. And if it benefits Glendale, it benefits you. If it, if, if it benefits you, it benefits me. I mean, we, I, I think the West Valley has come a long way in terms of understanding and recognizing the interconnectivity amongst us. Just because Maxwell Technologies comes to Peoria doesn't mean all those folks are going to live here. Maybe they'll live no, there the or they'll live in Surprise. It's very you know, wide it's, it's, around yeah. our West Valley. So yeah. it, what we have to do, and we have to continually remind ourselves, and, and to be honest, we really do have to continually remind ourselves that anything that benefits any West Valley city benefits all of us. No, and I think, you know, your uh, uh, historical perspective about this has been going on for decades about trying to study Grand Avenue, knowing that, hey, it's such a big issue. And then also because one of the key parts about the West Valley is the transportation, it because mm -hmm. there's some areas that are very difficult to get in and out of. And I think it's become more magnified when you see the uh, expansion of the 101 and now with the 303 where you see the ease of being able to move from community to community. And then you see you know, what the hi historical look of a Grand Avenue which hasn't really been revitalized to address these issues. That's another thing that I think that we've all learned. Um, <clears throat> as we grow, there's always this tendency to, to keep moving further and further out where land is cheap and the opportunity is raw and new and fresh and exciting. But then you have a tendency to turn your back on the, the inner core of the city. And what you can leave behind is blight. And, and there's no other pretty way of talking about it, just as, as the mayor of Peoria has said. It's, it's not a pretty thing to leave that kind of thing behind. So rather than turning our back on our past, we need to embrace it, work together, and that's exactly what we've done with this Charter Commission. So I'm really excited so about So let's the talk about timetable. You folks have signed the agreement. Mm -hmm. What can we expect, like, in the next year or, you know, who's, who's going to be involved in helping find this unified vision? Or what, where do you see this playing out so that, you know, what, what could we expect in a year from now? What could we expect in a couple of years from now? Uh, the, uh, the, the MAG Regional Council will be, the, the MAG itself will be uh, doing the study work on this. We are doing a quarter maximization study, and we're looking broadly, you know, how we can, can work to, together and partner. Others of us are, are working at the local level, too, and looking at opportunities on how we might be able to move um, a, a, a commuter rail faster, you know, bring it up to speed faster, um, show the opportunities that can be uh, created by uh, opening that corridor to commuter rail as well as, as freight. Right now it's a very underutilized freight corridor, but there are also other um, uh, transportation components in the West Valley that are very important to the Grand Avenue corridor, and frankly that's the I-11. The I-11 will eventually connect 
possibly to the Grand Avenue corridor. Um, whenever you look at how you're trying to move people and, and being connected with transportation, you ultimately need to find a hub. And w probably one of the worst places you could try to stick that at this stage of the game is right downtown because it's the most expensive right-of-way acquisition that you would have to acquire. But if you were able to find a transportation hub that was able to actually move people and goods and freight, um, from f from a satellite um, further out into the West Valley that can distribute um, people and goods throughout the, the valley. Uh, that's another opportunity that, that exists right on the Grand Avenue corridor along the Burlington Northern Santa Fe's property. Mm -hmm. You'd mentioned uh, historically about uh, Grand Avenue. Let me um, have you tap into your history uh, again. Do you see, how do you see the communities working together now as, a, as opposed to in the past? Because, I mean, the one thing about the West Valley is that, you know, unlike the East Valley or whatever, there's so many more municipalities, so many mm -hmm. more communities of such varied size trying to get everybody, you know, on the one side of the rope pulling, you know, pulling in the right direction has always been a challenge. I, 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 think, I think a lot of it is, some of it is the change in leadership. I, I, th I think a lot of it is, is whether you like it or not, you finally recognize that these other folks, I have to work with them in order to get what I want. Um, when, you know, it's no secret that, that sometimes when, when you take something like Grand Avenue, I, I know the city of Peoria had plans, they were going to fix this and that, and then the overpasses, everybody wanted the overpasses. And this was, this was back in the early 80s, they were talking about the overpasses, and, they, you know, they just finished it. But was so, there much out there? Because now you see commercial and expansion of the city, so really that's, we're, that's we're, a big we're actually neighboring each mm -hmm. other on our commercial expansion. Mm -hmm. So we have... We really have no other choice than to start cooperating and let this happen because we're becoming kind of one big area out in the West Valley. So it, 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 it's the direction to go in. It is the direction. In, in, in the past, I think, as a reporter, you would, you would go to the, the, sit through all the various council meetings and you would see that they were very focused on themselves. Nobody really had regional kind of looks yet, mm -hmm. partly because they didn't all bump into each other That's like we right. do now. And that was a big piece of it as well. I mean, you know, the, the difference between uh, that little where you go under the railroad tracks on Grand Avenue, and there, there used to be a, uh, uh, Peoria had an airport right there, and then it turned into a, a park and swap, and, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a mess. Yeah, that's but, quite a transition. Oh, it was. <laughs> and, but then there, there's a bit, there was a big gap of nothing but, but farm field before you hit where Glendale had developed, yeah. regardless of where, where the city limit was. So I, I think what you had here is you did, weren't bumping into each other, and so everybody was more more egocentric, so to speak. Right. But, but I, think, I think now, you know, my border hits, I'm, I'm surrounded. Well, you except can have on one the foot in one city, <laughs> one foot in the other. Well, right, that's yeah. true. I, I mean, Peoria's surrounded except, except yeah. to the north, you know, yeah. where, where we go into Yavapai County. I mean, we're one of five cities in the state that, is, that crosses county lines. Um, but that's it. I mean, and development up there is not going to happen for a very long time. So you have to begin to cooperate and work with each other. And Mayor Lord, you've seen what the effective transportation, improved transportation, can be is on the I-10 oh, because they had taken, you know, a lot of time. And, but now it's it's so much and better than it was. And that was a partnership all the way between the three cities. And now we have 303, and then we'll be looking at uh, SR 30, which is the I-10 reliever. So. Uh, a lot of connectivity, and I agree with Sharon. I think I-11, that excites me. When you look at that and where it's coming from and the power of that transportation corridor, I, I think that's the future. But it is the future because we have to f the inward fill first in our cities and uh, getting that transportation taken care of. And I want them to do this because we would like to see it come out to our area eventually. 
So, and we know we need, ha need that takes time. And the one thing about, you mentioned about bus rapid transit, and if you were able to pull that off or in some phase, I mean, it's got to be so much cheaper than light rail. Oh, absolutely. And being able to, being able sure. to use the thing more. It's also not just um, cheaper than light rail. It's the right mode because light rail is not the appropriate mode to serve the suburban areas. It really isn't. It's a, it's a short run. It's like the milk run. And whereas, and, and so you have so many very close stops. And so if you were actually trying to create a light rail system, which is very expensive, that was going all of that distance from the suburban areas into downtown Phoenix, you might as well take your lunch, mm -hmm. you know, because it, it's going to be a long, long, long commute. So every time someone asks me how soon is light rail coming to surprise, I say never. Because the reality is, it's not coming to surprise. It will be either commuter rail, bus rapid transit, it will be some other form of, of transit option that, can, that is actually truly a rapid transit. And that's, that's what we really need to look at um, in, in, our, in our western suburbs. Oh yeah, we need it desperately out there. Mm -hmm. we, we need more transit and Absolutely. more bus service for us. You, you mentioned about the needs from the federal government. Um, other needs to get this going, and what, what can the public do to, to help support this effort? Well, already since, um, since uh, actually since the speech on Monday, um, I've been getting a lot of feedback publicly, as I think the more that uh, the community begins to understand what, how, how really large uh, of an accomplishment this is for the, val the Valley um, communities to be working together in partnership, I think the more uh, the, the citizens will be cheering us on and saying, yes, that's what we want. We want you all to be working together. We want you to be getting it done. Um, certainly, for, so, certainly for my community, which is sort of at the edge, truly at the northwest edge. She always says uh, she's way out. <laughs> she always says she's not included. We're, we're at the edge. But, but, we, but we, are, we are at the edge. But, uh, you know, it's been my goal is to get everybody to stop, stop looking inward so much and start looking outward. Look to, look to Goodyear. Look to Peoria. Look to Glendale. Look to all of our neighbors because they're right there. They truly are a neighbor, and that's a very important partnership in order to try to serve the entire region. So um, <clears throat> I think that um, we've got uh, a, a tremendous opportunity to, um, to make big things happen as long as we can keep this momentum going, the public wants it. And if you look at the communities in the Northwest Valley, particularly um, Sun City, Sun City West, which are all in, in the county, they're not, they're not cities, and then surprise, many of the active adult communities um, were developed intentionally there north of Bell Road in surprise and along that entire quarter along Bell Road. And now between those three, between uh, those two entities, Sun City, Sun City West, and now the city of Surprise, you have the largest density of senior citizens in the nation is right there. And they need services. They and they're not, they're not all interested in driving anymore. So they do need transit services. And, um, and there are also people who would like to engage all of the assets in the region. They would like to go downtown to a ball game. They would like to go to Glendale for a ball game. They would like to go shopping and go to the museums and all of those things. Now. And good year as well. And so, and so truly they want to have all of those things. They want to be connected. And somebody said in a meeting in Washington last week when I was there, they want to be connected to life. And why not? Why shouldn't they? So it truly is all about connectivity for us. And there's nothing like pressure. You're asking what, what can the public do? The public can start to demand these services, demand them of their individual cities, demand them on a regional basis, 
get the legislature to stop sweeping funds, transit funds, and then get after federal government as well. I mean, we're, when we look at this, I mean, the legislature isn't doing anybody any favors on this. I mean, if you think transportation is important, we're fighting our state government. Never mind trying to get something from the feds. So if you really care, if you really think transportation is important, let them know and let them know at the ballot box. There's nothing like pressure. Call them up, send them emails. So we're talking about the legislature, so that's a, a good transition. What's your assessment of the session so far? What's the effect been on your communities, and what do you expect the effect on your communities um, as the legislature carries on to getting ready to adjourn at some juncture? Oh, boy. Oh, just, look, just, just look at <laughs> loaded, our faces. Loaded questions. Yeah, loaded that, that, is, that is a loaded question. No, uh, I, I think this is probably one of the worst legislatures I've ever seen. I've lived here in Arizona since 1962. I went to work for the Arizona Republic in 1974. This is the worst. I mean, they're talking about putting guns in schools. They're talking about putting guns in public buildings. They're talking about the, the birther movement. I mean, don't they have anything better to do down there? It's absolutely absurd. It's absolutely absurd. Well, I, I object to the idea that um, they are, are passing uh, laws that are going to control how we run our governments locally. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and I, I, it would be nice if they would come to the cities and have the conversation with them uh, to find out what our needs are, what are the unintentional consequences of some of these statutes that they're passing, because they are affecting our budget. Mm -hmm. um, they are affecting our community development. Um, they're putting roadblocks up. Uh, they're adding laws that aren't necessary. They're, they're, we, ha we have a, a great number of them in place in community development. And you have to remember, uh, development is going on the west side. Uh, many of those big cities and where some of those uh, senators and legislators mm -hmm. are from are cities that have infrastructure and transit and airports and you name it, they have it. We don't. We're just at the beginning of developing that, of growing our cities. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm quite disappointed, and I'm quite disappointed on some very uh, important bills that when you do approach them, they really don't know what the bill says. Mm -hmm. Have you found that? Oh, absolutely. Have you found that? I, I just, I, I mean, it concerns me um, that you're going to put your vote check on that, and you don't know what it's totally about. I perhaps have a, a, a perspective that's unique, at least to this table, <laughs> having served in a legislature before, um, knowing that it is truly about partnership from the legislative angle to local government, because truly they need to understand how they impact one another. And um, I've done what I can to try to get down to uh, the legislature and meet with my uh, delegation on specific issues. And I now feel quite comfortable picking up the phone and calling them when I hear of a bill that I think is destructive. I did so just last evening when I heard of a bill that uh, puts caps on solar credits, just as I have a solar company that's ready to expand. This is truly a job killer. Why would the legislature be doing such a silly thing? So again, they're focused on all of the wrong things. They're not focused on partnership. Um, we have tried to do more to try to illuminate the facts with the public. Um, in some cities, what we've done is we've, uh, we've put a legislative bill tracker on our, on our city websites 
and it and it discusses about uh, discusses different bills, tells what's going on, and you have an opportunity to contact your your legislator directly and oppose or or, or, or support that bill. And the feedback that we've gotten has been pretty intense from legislative staff who question whether or not our efforts to illuminate the public is really all that necessary. Oh, wow. <laughs> you need to make the public uh, public aware. I think it's a so, good job to do that. So I think it's important. Because we have here we have a solar industry that is becoming quite viable. Mm -hmm. uh, and so now they're trying to limit the expansion of it. Mm -hmm. It's do they have another industry they're going to replace it with? Why would you, why would you interject yourself when something is becoming a success? Um, so, yeah, you do question it. And, I, I, you know, in defense, it isn't an easy job, and you know that. It, it's, it, it, it isn't hard. It's hard at a local level, so I understand that. Um, but when you talk about partnering and cooperation and all the things you are always questioning about our cities, well, isn't that part of their responsibility, too? And they do and, need to remember uh, that we do, do have the same constituents. <laughs> and most of them uh, have never been in city government. Right. So <clears throat> they, and I think interesting because they don't want um, the federal government telling the states what they're doing. You can see many of our bills have been in protest of that. But on the other hand, they just transfer that and they're telling us what to do. So I do question. I mean, I appreciate the long hours they put in, but I do, like the two of you, I question some of the decision making and some of the bills they're bringing forth. Why do you think there's such a disconnect between, uh, because this isn't the, the theme just heard in the West Valley. You can go over to the East Valley and mm -hmm. they feel the same way, other communities. What's, why is there such a disconnect between the legislators and the, and the municipal leaders? They've never been in the local government. There's just a few of them. Been, do you agree with this? Oh, that it, when you, oh absolutely. I, I, you know, if there was some way that, that you could force it, I, I would love to see that you can't run for the legislature unless, unless you've served in like a city that. council at least one term. I like that term. idea. So that you understand the people yeah. you're representing, at least in the, in, the, in, the, in the large metropolitan areas, obviously, you know, in small towns or something like that, that, that wouldn't be possible. That would be a, that would be a wonderful thing. I, I, I think the problem down there is, is it's politics. It's party versus party. And, and what happens, I, I, this is my perception, I, I think what happens is following the party line and getting the party's agenda through is more important than anything else. Right. I mean, it, it, and I, the extremes of both parties have kind of taken over the legislature, in my opinion. Right? Whereas, whereas it used to be moderate, and they would get together and they would work through the major issues, and then they'd scream and yell at each other on a political level about something that was relatively minor, so everybody realized that we're still playing politics. Well, now that's, that's shifted out. There, I don't think there's too many moderates surviving anymore. Somebody asked me the other day if I was going to run for the legislature when I was done. I said, I don't think I'd have a chance. They said, yeah, you, you're probably the last living moderate, Republican moderate. <laughs> it, it's crazy down there. It no. really is crazy down there. And I, I think, I think their, their priorities are skewed. They're more, more important to follow the party line than it is to help your cities. And that's that's my perception. Of what's going right. on down there? And I think that I think that's absolutely right. I think it's the the, the party uh, this 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 feeling that you have to have total allegiance to party is truly service to the wrong master. You forget that the the, the true master is the voting public. They are there. They want to see you get things done. They, generally speaking, they could care less about the party agenda. Um, and so when I hear party first, district second. 
um, it, ju it just makes me want to tear my hair out because, mm -hmm. honestly, that's not the way to get things done. And it's not just, I don't think it's just our legislature. You're seeing this happen oh, across right, the right, country. Right. You're seeing it happen yeah. in Washington. And, and it just keeps trickling back to us. And so we're at the very bottom end of that food chain uh, as, as local elected officials. And we try like heck to try to keep the party politics out of local government. Well, we're nonpartisan. I mean, the and fact we that we run on a nonpartisan. And uh, so I'm concerned when they're looking at changing our election dates mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, because I, I see the trend is they want it partisan. And on, I, uh, we're successful at nonpartisan. We, we work for everybody in the city. Mm -hmm. And I found when I was at the Conference of Mayors, uh, when we had our, our uh, a night that the Republicans met and the night the Democrats met, and I spoke up at, at our Republican group and I raised my hand and said, you know, it's very hard to be in politics anymore because as a Republican, um, I'm not allowed to be uh, in the middle. If I'm not far right or far left, mm -hmm. You get criticized with people questioning, you're not a Republican. Well, I'm a Republican on my federal side, but on my local side, I care about what happens to the people. I don't call them on the phone and say, are you Republican or Democrat? I call them and say, what do you need? What are we not furnishing for you? Because you pay your taxes for a service, and we want to give you the best service. So that's where I'm at on this yeah, And the date issue. change makes a difference. The first time I ran for office was 2001. I ran for the council. At that point in time, Peoria was on the uh, uh, March-May election cycle. So, you know, you start in January, and, and nobody ever asked me what party I was in. Nobody ever asked my views on, on gun control or abortion or any of the other national questions. It was, when you talk to people, it was about what happened. Well, then Peoria changed to the, uh, no, it was September, November, now it's August, September general election system. And as soon as they did that, the next time I ran, Party politics came up every, at every point when I was running for a re-election on the council. But, you know, are you an R or a D? You know, what do you think about abortion? What do you think about gun control? You know, it's like, wait, I'm running for a city council seat. You yeah. know, we don't do abortions. Yeah. <laughs> but, we but, have nothing to do with it. I noted that in the, uh, mm -hmm. at least the things that I read it. Mm -hmm. It was, I mean, they really came in in a partisan way. So mm -hmm. You might have noted that in my race as well. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> I, I think there was a little blip. Yeah. <clears throat> just a little, just a little <laughs> blip. But fortunately, I had support from all sides. That was good. But um, I agree with them. Uh, I think that this bill that actually... Um, uh, moves the, uh, the the date of elections is really dangerous for local government. It does make a huge difference. It does inject party politics into it. <clears throat> and clearly, it's being done for an opportunity to create a farm team, as it were, on local on on local units of government, and then have a slate in the fall. A city like mine, who has an all mail in ballot, would basically be we would lose our all mail in ballot because <clears throat> we would have to be on the county ballot at the in the fall. And honestly, if you think about that big ballot, when we have regular elections, we have a presidential, and we have statewide elections, we have initiatives, we have judges, we, local elected officials, who have the most direct impact on services to people, are at the very bottom of the ballot where all the drop-off occurs. So people get, their eyes begin to glaze over when they start reading through initiatives and they start reading through judges, mm -hmm. and we're at the bottom of the ballot. You're going to have less people electing your local elected officials if we go 
you know, into that system. Well, one other point that we have to remember, in many of our communities, we have senior citizen communities. We mm -hmm. have two very large ones in, in, uh, in Goodyear. Mm -hmm. And what happens is many times in these local elections, a winner happens in the primary. Right. Sometimes you don't even have to have the other election. But this won't happen now because your, your senior people are the voters. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were taught right when we were, you, this was, you needed to vote. And so consequently, the ballot won't be sent to them. They'll be going off on their getting away from the hot weather in the summertime, and that ballot won't be transferred to them. Right. Yes. So um, you can be assured that that vote will be lost. There, there, there's, there, sure, me, there, there's one more undesirable effect of having moved to the, the August-September system. The, the debate and the discussion about city issues <coughs> gets trampled. You know, because you're, you're yes, dealing yes. with the president or the governor, depending on which, which cycle mm -hmm. you're on. You're dealing with Congress. You're dealing with the legislature. You're dealing with the Maricopa County uh, supervisors race and everything else. And, you know, you look at the corner where the signs are, and it's just one yeah. mass of signs. And the... Although we touch people the most, and, we, and they have most direct contact with this level of government, they don't talk about those. They want to talk about president and whether or not this guy should be president or that guy should be president. And, and you never quite get down to the point where, is this person really good, and should this person be on the city council, or should this person be mayor? And then, like Mayor Wolcott mentioned, it being on the, it's all the way down the ballot, so a lot of it people you yeah. know, have ballot fatigue and never get to it. Um, I did want to talk to you about another topic because it's really of a vested interest in all three of your communities because when you look at the 15 teams that make up the Cactus League, six of them are in your three communities. Mm -hmm. And we'll start with you, Mayor Barrett, because you, the city of Peoria just announced a $48 million agreement to keep the Padres and the Mariners for another 20 years. Correct. Um, how, <coughs> much in, how much should communities expect the teams to support uh, their infrastructure when they're here, and how much is really on the burden of the on the different communities? Ideally, the team should build the stadium, the team should maintain the stadium, and everything else. That's not going to happen. That's not the way we're structured. Um, the deal with, with both the Padres and the Mariners, and we're the first we're the first city to have two teams. We're the first city to retain two teams. I, I might add to that too. The, it's forty-eight million dollars over the twenty-year agreement. A lot of it is up front and it is into the clubhouses. So they become as modern and as, as fully uh, stocked, if you will, as, as the new, new stadiums are. Um, the spring training at right now brings in about $1.8 million per year in sales taxes that, that we can estimate. We're going to make improvements around the stadium itself. Uh, the, the, from Mariner's Way to the main entrance of the stadium, that 17-acre parking lot is going to become... Uh, a development all into itself. It's going to have a high-rise hotel, ESPN, uh, Lucky Strike Bowling, retail sales and everything else. So the amount of tax, sales tax that's generated from that in addition to the 1.8 in the surrounding areas and as those areas also grow, we're going to come out ahead in the in 20-year deal in terms of cost. What's good about it? Well, one thing, Major League Baseball representative came over and, and thanked me. We're bringing a little bit of stabilization into the Cactus League right now. You know, the teams are, are, are looking to, all of them are moving around. Everybody wants to go into a new stadium. You know, we all understand that. But that's not viable anymore. You know, I mean, Oakland A's are, are going to go to where the Cubs were, and then as soon as the Cubs stadium is open, I, I understand that the Brewers want to get out of Maryvale. You know, the, uh, who else is moving? There's somebody else moving, too. But it, it, you know, there's a lot of that going around. Mm -hmm. so, so for us to suddenly come in and say, okay, this is it, 
it's good. Now, the other benefit it brings to us, aside from sales tax revenue, is recognition. We have people come from the state of Washington, and I ran into a, a couple that come down every year for spring training, and they stay the full month. So if the Mariners play in Peoria, you know, they eat in the restaurants there. If the Mariners play the Cubs, they drive out to Mesa and watch the game. It was, and then, then those days, was when I first met them, they'd go down to Tucson, you know, when, when the Rockies were down in Tucson. So it brings in recognition. Now, they go back and they tell their friends about Arizona and about Peoria. So it, there's a benefit to that that you can't put any kind of a number on. You know, how, how do you put a number on an image? You, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. you know, but, but you definitely have to have a positive image as opposed to a negative image. Yeah. Mayor Lord, you're the uh, newest one to the ball game. The newest in, uh, one on the block. Yeah, mm -hmm. with the, uh, along with Glendale, with, but uh, with the, um, with the uh, Ohio teams, both the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. How have you found that um, uh, having spring training in, in Goodyear, and how do you see it long-term for your community? Well, first of all, we think it's a real highlight for our citizens. The citizens voted for this, and they wanted this. Um, the citizens certainly didn't want a downturn in our economy, uh, but it happened, right? Mm -hmm. and, and we couldn't prevent that. Um, so uh, we've struggled during this period of time, but also for us, we don't have another venue as large as the stadium to bring our citizens together. So it's been wonderful to be able to have all kinds of events all year long. So I, we keep that stadium busy all year long. Um, and we see finally, we see some light at the end of the tunnel this year. We're up 30% uh, and over in revenues and in attendance. But you have to think of the effect. We came in and sort of at a bad time, really. Mm -hmm. We came right in at the time the downturn started, where actually it had begun. Um, and so we, it, we, see that we saw a, uh, a decline in the number of people traveling from uh, Ohio out uh, to, to Goodyear. But this year, it was really nice because we started meeting, as you say, walk around the stadium, you start talking to the people. So more people now have uh, come back to traveling. The other thing is, is that we're being noted for the type of stadium we have because there's not another stadium, I understand, and I haven't visited them all, so I hope I'm not stepping on your toes. Um, we'll that, tell you if you want. Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> that you feel like part of the, I mean, you're right there on the field. They can see the players because our stadium is built, the bleachers right to the field. So it's a more intimate atmosphere for people. So that's been a real attractor. And um, so, uh, you know, we did it, right? Uh, and we're going to make it a success. And we're going to have to deal with what the future brings when we have to do that. And we're already talking about that. Okay, we need to make a strategic plan to know when that time comes that we have to help refurbish these. We all went into this with our eyes open, right? So there's no saying, oh, we did it. And people are cheering because they love being there. So that's what we'll do, and we'll make this work. And that's, and that's, it, that's essentially what we do. We said we have a fund set aside for right. stadium improvements so that we knew this day that's was right. coming, and we've been putting money But I money bet you the hotels aren't mad at you, are you? Are no. the restaurants? <laughs> no, they, they're absolutely thrilled. At, the economic development on the other side, the oh, surrounding yeah. side, it's hard to judge. You know, it's hard to give you a figure on yeah. it. Uh, that, that's been wonderful for the businessmen, and, and especially with the downturn in this last year, and all of a sudden they have people eating in the restaurant. There isn't a restaurant in Goodyear that doesn't have a line to get in. Wow. It's wonderful. It, it really is. And, and our, I assume your stadiums will be the same, but our stadium is only unused 45 days a year. Oh, yeah. Wow. Ours is used around the year. Mm 
Year I mean, it's round. almost yeah. year-round, totally. Yeah, it is. Mayor Walcott, you have two teams, the Texas <coughs> Rangers and Kansas City Royals. You've talked about a third team that you're <laughs> interested in. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what you envision of a third team bringing and who would you get? Well, you know, I, well, I, I, I originally floated that idea last year, and it's not something that, that I dreamed up. It was actually a staff idea that we talk about the, the possibility of a third team. And the reason really was, when you think about what's, what's going on with the, the traveling of teams and what's going on with the desire of teams to move to different places that are more up-to-date, um, we're looking at what's going on in Florida, and honestly, their stadiums in the Grapefruit League are in pretty tough shape. Mm -hmm. And so if we were able to attract other teams to Arizona to join the Cactus League, that would be a tremendous asset for the entire state. It would be a good thing. Um, a concern that I have is the knowledge that, that Las Vegas is looking at possibly building a four-team stadium model where that they might try to start picking off teams of ours here in Arizona. And that would be problematic because really we have invested yes. a lot in these yeah. communities. We have invested a lot in these stadiums and we have the stadiums. So if, whether it's the city of Surprise or another city that has the, the ability to add an additional team to their stadium um, by simply adding a clubhouse, that seems like a, a much better option than possibly losing our teams to another state altogether. So it's, uh, it's, it's much more of a big picture um, in the future. Uh, keep that idea um, in, in front of us and one that certainly the hoteliers will support because it's, again, it's more tourism for them. Um, but it's certainly not something that I'm beating the drum um, to, to have happen tomorrow. I have, frankly, I have bigger fish to fry. Um, we also have our own issues with leasing and with our two, two teams who are very happy. Uh, we're celebrating the 10th anniversary of our partnership with the, uh, the Royals and Rangers this year. Rangers have been doing incredibly well for the last two years, as you know, performance-wise. Um, the excitement of, of, their, um, of their status as, as champions has been um, tr truly amazing to watch. I was just at the stadium again yesterday, and truly it was amazing. It was a, a game between the Rangers and the Cubs. Well, the place was packed, and that impact locally, you just, you, again, you cannot put your finger on exactly what that impact is. But we do have, um, uh, we also have the, the extra added excitement of having uh, d um, uh, Mr. Darvish uh, in our, on, our, mm -hmm. on the Rangers roster, and he's created an awful lot of excitement with the, uh, with, in Japan. We know that Surprise is being seen on Japan television every single day during this, this season, which is a great thing again. Well, thank you. You're, you're, you're we, very we welcome. We had the day, too, where uh, <laughs> right. we were good to be shown right. on that television. And in addition, um, uh, and I think that really translates yeah. to Oliver. Arizona, truly. Yeah. But in addition, um, we also have the Korean players that play um, prior to um, the, the beginning of spring training. And, and again, we had an enormous uh, influx of, of, um, of Koreans who came in to watch their teams play. So a lot's going on, and, and baseball really is a game changer for all of us mm -hmm. in, in our West mm -hmm. Valley and actually in the Valley as a whole because we're so close together unlike the Grapefruit League where the teams have a long exactly. distance to travel. Mm -hmm. So if you want to see games in all of our cities, you can do that, and that's a tourism piece for the entire state. Yeah. Well, the Sarasota mayor showed up at one of our games and had a long conversation <laughs> with me, so I can tell you that they would love to have kept the teams yeah. there. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, 
unfortunately it didn't happen. So uh, by the things she was saying, I was, you know, you kind of say, well, aren't we fortunate? Isn't this good? So now, it is interesting, though, because one of the things that has changed is the funding formula yes, because a yes. lot of, um, um, because before the state used to use a lot of the tourism money uh, in the tourism tax to fund this. Now that money is drying up, how do you see the state in, um, in funding um, spring training baseball going forward? I, I, I talked to the TSA, obviously, because we're in line for, for money for the refurbishing. Um, and, and we're okay, but I think, I think your, your city and I think Glendale is like two years late and 50% less or something like that because mm -hmm. of the fall off in Absolutely. funding. And what will what, happen, or at least what I hope will happen, is that as the economy improves now on a national basis, you'll get more tourists back mm -hmm. as you do that than that, that sales tax that the TSA collects off the bed tax and the, and the car rental right. tax will come back in. If, if that were a healthy operation right now, I would, I would guess that before the end of this decade, we'd have all the baseball teams in Arizona, mm -hmm. because if, if we had the funding. And I think the only way you're going to do that, the TSA is going to sunset, and they need to renew that and extend it, because it's just it's too valuable. Yeah, I think so, too. I agree with you. Yeah. They'll have to extend it. And you have to be optimistic about this. And, uh, you know, Arizona didn't die during the recession. <laughs> <laughs> It just was put on hold, yeah. and right. we're we're moving, and people are starting to come visit us again. Um, people are starting to spend their money, but I do think we have to be realistic. Each city that has a stadium has to think, okay, now what if this doesn't happen? Yeah. So uh, we're looking at that, um, but I do think at a state level that it has to be renewed, right. uh, and maybe the next plan they could come up might be a little bit more viable and better. Mm -hmm. So we've learned a lot of lessons in this downturn, so we should use some of those lessons we've learned. Yeah, because I'll tell you, the, the, the idea that you might lose your teams is horrifying. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, now so there are home teams. That's why I was teams. so glad to get our contracts yeah. done. I, I, mean, don't want, yeah. I don't want to lose our team. You know, they're becoming part of us now. Oh, yeah, and, and when they renewed, you know, all the, all the merchants along 83rd Avenue around the stadium were just thrilled to death. Yes. That, you know, they were afraid the teams were going to go away. There's going to be a problem. But look at all your expansion because of the team that's there. Absolutely. I, well, and the point that you made, I think, is the key point, that um, there's such difference between Florida and here mm -hmm. because in Arizona the teams are so close together. And that's one of the reasons the teams wanted out of Tucson because, right. you know, the, the, with only two or three teams down there, you're playing the same teams so often because you don't want to get on a bus and travel up mm -hmm. to Phoenix. Right. I mean, in Florida, I mean, the teams, I think, get uh, weary because they seem to seem to play the same teams a lot because they don't want to get on a three-and-a-half-hour bus sure. ride to go to the other side of the state. Um, another topic I want to talk to you about, because in the last forum that we did here, we talked and heard about and Mayor Barrett's thoughts on the uh, casino. So we know that uh, Peoria is a strong advocate of the casino. I wanted to get your two takes on uh, where your thoughts are for the casino and, and if you thought it was a good investment for the West Valley. And I'll start with you, Mayor Wolcott. Well, I, uh, f first of all, the, the politics of casino, uh, of, of tribal casinos, is very interesting in Arizona and different from my experience actually in, in Minnesota where we dealt with very similar issues, but in a different way because our compacts were different. And I still don't have a full understanding of the Arizona compacts, which I do want to understand. But the fact remains, I understand uh, Mayor Barrett's um, concern about making sure that we're not passing up on an opportunity to create jobs in the West Valley. 
Um, that being said, ultimately, whether or not a casino happens or not is not my decision. It's not Bob's decision. It's ultimately going to happen someplace probably in the courts. Um, and so we, um, we are all kind of waiting to see um, exactly what, what happens with that initiative. Um, I do understand some of the concerns about, uh, about the impacts on um, businesses that are off of tribal lands and how this might set the stage for um, a growth of, of casino uh, gaming in the West Valley. But the other side of that is, well, the East Valley has quite a bit of tribal gaming. And um, as I said earlier, we have a very large density of senior citizens in the West Valley who like to gamble. And so I would frankly rather have them stay here in the West Valley than getting on a bus and driving to a casino in the East Valley. Have you heard a statistic on that? How many senior citizens are doing this? <laughs> Well, I'd invite you. Uh, I'd invite you to the to the parking lot at the uh, at the Sun Dome, and you can watch okay. and you can count for yourself. <laughs> well, as you know, I was on this panel when you asked right. Mayor Scrubs that, and, exactly. and you know, I stayed very neutral on this. Um, I do feel very strongly about cities should be able to make their own decisions and run their business as they would like to, as the citizens have requested it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I still stand upon that. Now, I read the Indian tribe agreements, and personally, not representing my city, but just on a personal basis, I objected to the way they disregarded um, their original agreement. And by the original agreement, there was not to be any more casinos out in this area. So because of that, I have personal feelings of, of how I felt. But I felt it was best to stay out of it and let Glendale um, and the courts decide what's going to happen. But, you know, economic development is always important to all of us, and that's why we've been very pro-Westgate. We don't want them to fail. Tangier's coming in. We said, great, that's going to help them more. You know, we'll, mm -hmm. our, our citizens will be shopping there, I'm sure. So. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I got, I've got to counter what you just said. Oh. <laughs> they did not violate it. Uh -huh. There is no verbiage in Proposition 208 that says they cannot have the casino here. Well, supposedly what Supposedly, it was, and what it was, is, it's all the comments that are on the ballot. That what I read was that um, they kind of divvied out where the, the casinos were going to be. And right. they made agreements that this tribe would not go into this area. Show me so, that agreement. Well, I read it, so and that's what it said, and I interpreted it. So I won't argue about it because <laughs> um, I, I don't have any, any uh, really power in this decision-making, well, what's going to go on. It's in the courts now, but right. um, that, that was my interpretation when I read it. Okay, two points. Number one, the Tohono. He's passionate about this. The to yes, I am. Yes, I am. And I think I got passionate about this when, when Representative Franks uh -huh. jumped the gun. Oh, yeah. And that, up until then, I didn't really have much to say about it. But when you try to short circuit the legal process, uh -huh. and then, then I became uh -huh. vocal. Uh -huh. And, and what, what it is, Tohono authorized four casinos. Uh -huh. They currently have three. Uh -huh. And the 1986 act that put Painted Rock Dam in there allowed them to go by property to replace. Mm -hmm. That's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. you know, and they, they, just they, the they area did it. that they ended up getting was the questionable mark. Oh, how was that questionable? It had to be a county island. Okay. Well, it's, you know, I don't need to argue <laughs> about this one. <laughs> well, if, 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 if it's wrong, if it's illegal, then why is Frank's trying to get a law through to change it? I don't know. You could answer that question if you'd <laughs> It's like. not illegal. <laughs> That's why he's trying to stop it. But the, ultimately, the courts will settle it. 
there's expedited hearing. It'll be in April. Well, and I guess you have really more attachment because you have some economic development involvement with that because um, you can do the water for I mean, you've yep. got a lot of things that your city is going to benefit by mm -hmm. that. So I can see you uh, on the bandwagon of trying to make this happen because that's going to affect your city. Sure. Okay. I think it will affect the West Valley positively <laughs> in the long run. I'm sure. I'm sure people, once whatever the decision is made, if it's built, I'm sure people will be using it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of seniors that yeah. I've seen these bus trips and uh, well, they uh, they like to go coming and gamble. from that side of the house. I'm, I wouldn't say all senior citizens no, are but, doing uh, that. So. Well, listen, it was great. I think we had a, a very good discussion. It's great to see the cooperation that's taking place on Grand Avenue. It's it's nice as uh, Mayor Barrett said that finally uh, we're off the study stage. That we're actually. Uh, signing an agreement and it's going to be interesting to see what will uh, take place and uh, what the unified vision among all these communities will be so and I think it was also interesting your uh, comments regarding spring training and uh, it's always interesting because um, sometimes people think the West Valley gets left behind but in fact with spring training you folks are leading the way because nine of the if you count Maryvale nine of the 15 teams train in the West Valley and, and you folks have six of them so I want to appreciate your time this was a great hour I always appreciate the insights that you share my guests have been three West Valley mayors Sharon Walcott from Surprise Georgia Lord from Goodyear and our host Bob Barrett from Peoria I want to also thank the great folks here at uh, Peoria City Cable 11 who do such an awesome job when we come out and do these West Valley mayoral forums. I'm Michael Ryan, Vice President and General Manager of the Arizona Republic, and thank you for watching this latest West Valley mayoral forum.